Welcome to part five of It Sees You When You're Sleeping, a horror holiday audio drama in six parts. If you haven't heard the previous episodes, I would recommend that you start at episode one. You can find it on your favorite podcast app or at the website, itseesyousleeping.com. I'm Phil Rickaby, the writer and performer of It Sees You When You're Sleeping. This is the second part of a trilogy of holiday audio dramas. You can find the first, St. Nick and the Big F*** Up, at stnicknickandthebigfup.com and all the places you usually find podcasts. You can support this audio play in a few ways. You can make a donation through the virtual tip jar. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. You can also support the podcast by sharing it on social media. If you want to post about the show on Twitter or Instagram, use the hashtag ISYWYS for It Sees You When You're Sleeping. And you can tag me if you like. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Phil Rickaby. If you enjoy this audio drama, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. And make sure you hit the follow button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find updates at the website, itseesyousleeping.com. And stick around for just a minute at the end of the episode for some important credits. I took Susan to school and then went home to deal with Milo. In the kitchen, the tower of dishes still stood impossibly high, but Milo was nowhere to be seen. Where was the little bastard? I searched the kitchen, every drawer, every cupboard, checking each shelf, looking in every bowl, cup, mug, saucer, pot, and pan. I even dismantled the tower of dishes, looking at each plate as though somehow he might be flattened against the surface. When I was done, the kitchen was a mess, but Milo was not there. The living room was next. I checked between and under the cushions on every chair. I looked under tables, both coffee and side, behind sofas, under the seats. I pulled knickknacks from their cases. And as for the Christmas tree, decorated so carefully only a few weeks before, I pulled down and inspected every ornament, every light bulb. I even looked inside the angel. But Milo was not there. Next, I went after the bookshelves in the hall. I attacked them, pulling down every book and flipping through the pages. When I was done, the hallway was strewn with books. But there was no sign of Milo. I went upstairs to the bedrooms where I pulled the sheets from the beds, checked in pillowcases, drawers, closets, pockets, pants, socks, jackets, outfits, toy boxes, everything. Still nothing. Then into the bathroom where I pulled down the shower curtain, the towels dumped out the shampoo bottles and inspected the soap, but there was still no sign of Milo. The house was a shambles with all of our everything littering the house, and I was nearly manic from trying so desperately to find that little elf. I was frantic when I realized that it was almost time to pick up Susan from school. I'd spent the day destroying my house trying to find the damned elf. I couldn't bring Susan home to this, and there was no time to clean up. So I grabbed a change of clothes for each of us and some pajamas, picked up Susan from school, and we spent the night at a hotel. 
Susan worried that Milo would worry about her if she wasn't home, but I told her that Milo would know, and since she was with me, he wouldn't worry. But she told me that he needed her. And that made me even more certain that Milo was dangerous and needed to be stopped. I tried to distract her by ordering room service and letting her rent a movie, but nothing helped. She was distraught right up until she fell asleep. I had trouble falling asleep. My mind was racing, trying to figure out what to do about Milo. Around two in the morning, I was just starting to doze off when Susan sat up in her bed. She was sitting bolt upright in her bed, facing me. Her eyes were open, but they were unfocused, as though she was still asleep. And then she started to speak, but the voice, it wasn't hers. This is a punishment for you and for your kind. For this season was stolen from us. Stolen by your Saint Nicholas. Nicholas. Revered by you, but nothing but a liar and a thief. This was a time of celebration for our people. But your Saint Nicholas came to us and tricked us. Pretended to be a friend, but was false. We had been tricked into serving him, but not us alone. He tricked others, the Winter Witch, the Holly King, and the God of Winter. He tricked us all, and against our wills, we served him for a thousand years and more. And though we served him, we remembered his treachery, and our hatred festered and grew, and became strength. And we, the elves, the witch, the king, and the god, hatched our plan, for no longer will we serve him, and we turn to more powerful magic than your false saint ever had. For the most powerful magic is in dreams, and the most powerful dreamers are children. Children like yours. You revere our false master. You sing songs to him. You praise him. So you will pay the price for his torments and lies. Your child, your children will be our expiation, and through them, our revenge. I said, who are you and what are you doing to my daughter? And as I looked, I saw the shadows draw around and coalesce into a shape. A shape with elongated knife-like fingers and glowing red eyes. I am Milo of the Elves, and this child is no longer yours. She belongs to us. To me. 
And then Susan fell back on her pillow, fast asleep and herself again. All trace of the shadow was gone. She was sleeping peacefully as though she hadn't been sitting up and being possessed by some elven monster moments before. Have you ever watched your child sleep? To stand there looking at her at this face that you have protected and loved and just realized that you are completely helpless. That something is happening to her and you don't know what to do to make it stop. You don't know if you can make it stop. I wish I'd been stronger. I wish I'd said no to the whole idea of the elf. I wish we'd just stuck with stories. Then at least Susan would be safe. Whatever was happening to her would not be happening to her. But I'd been weak. And it was. I didn't know what to do. I stayed up the rest of the night, worrying. And that was part five of It Sees You When You're Sleeping. Part six is coming next week. Remember to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts and to let me know what you think using the hashtag ISYWIS for It Sees You When You're Sleeping. In this episode, you heard an excerpt from Trepidation by Kevin McLeod. It's released under a Creative Commons attribution license. Some sound effects in the episode were from zapsplat.com. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next week for the final episode of It Sees You When You're Sleeping.